everyone, and welcome to episode 656 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I backed away from the microphone and remained perfectly still when you said that. I noticed. I was like, the silence is deafening, Joe. Mm-hmm. That's right. But it worked. It worked. I oiled my chair before we started recording and everything. I made sure my chair makes extra sounds before That's the right. show started to cancel you out. Yes, I put the lock um, on it so it doesn't like um, tilt back, you know? Yeah, yeah. mine does that. But if I even lean slightly, it goes. Eh. Yep. So, but you know what? The listeners will get by with a few errants and aunts. At least you don't have your phone on. Oh, no. I save that for the other shows that right. I do. At least you don't have constant Facebook messages going on during the course of the show. I never have Facebook messages, so no, I'm I, there's too many podcasts that I listen to that there's just all sorts of crazy noises going on in the background while they're recording, mm-hmm. and uh, I just twitch all the time. You I know? know we've been over this. I try to, I try not to move, and I and I the sweat like pours down my face. I'm like Joe's gonna take me out back and hit me with a switch because I made noise. <laughs> No, no, I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. I have a uh, feeling I know what you were going to say. Write down what you think I was going to say, and then we'll talk about it off air. Okay, I don't have a pen here anymore or anything, but I'll work Can on you, it. You'll remember it, though? Sure, sure. Hey, Todd, what do we got to talk about on the show this week? In news, a new mini that I guarantee will run hot and cold, Joe... Um, oh boy! <laughs> a follow-up to a DC news story, which we may or may not have influenced. I'm going to say may. Um, and for a change, we put a Marvel reprint collection on blast. <laughs> um, uh, conventions. What we read last week, which was both Green Arrow number one and Clobber in Time number two. What we're looking forward to this week, which I think is a three-way race with one creator. <laughs> Um, Todd and Joe have issues where we reread the entire run of Sandman. Um, and this week it's Sandman 35 and 36 from a game of you. Um, and I believe that uh, ends everything because we don't have any TV to talk about until next or TV or movies until next week. We'll hopefully talk about Guardians. Yep. Uh, I know you're making your plans to talk about it. I have my plans set up, ready to go. I think we're going to like the Sunday matinee at the Dirt Theater by me, you know? Right, right. The best way to see any of the movies, um, you know, you get your three trailers. You don't have to worry about making decisions between what sort of uh, sound level or 3D or IMAX or faux IMAX or whatever it is. You know, you just see a movie that the way it was meant to be seen. Yep. Hey, I found my pen in my notebook. Look at that. All right. Well, let's get into the news, then, while you're writing down whatever it was you were going to disparage me with. So, right, right. Um, literally, as we stopped recording last week, um, DC has been rolling out some announcements for the Dawn of DC stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that's coming out in August, September, even as far as October. And one of the books uh, that is coming out was recently announced to be coming out in September is Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville, uh, starring Fire and Ice, most recently from Human Targets. But reading the description of this, I have a feeling that it's not going to tie into any of that. 
I don't think so either. Um, I will say a couple things just to give folks a heads up on this. There is a Power Girl special that comes out at the end of the month mm-hmm. uh, that is kind of like going to be the precursor to this. Right. Um, not so much as a zero issue of it, but, you know, these characters, Fire and Ice, are in it. Um, artist uh, I am not familiar with, uh, Natasha Bustos. Uh, but the writer I am familiar with, and that is uh, Joanne Starr, who is writing the book The Gimmick, has a book coming out in August from Boom, and mm-hmm. then she has this coming out in September from DC. So it's good to see a creator who is is and has been out there scraping and clawing and trying to get stuff, and then just in one year gets like three projects off the ground, you know, and one of them at one of the big two, you know. Yep, I am also familiar with this writer. Um, but yes, uh. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's cool. And like the best way I think I would do the say the Power Girl thing is like it's probably like a backdoor pilot kind of a deal. Yeah, it's like a Power Girl thing with like this the spin up. It uh, Fire and Ice is going to be the Al's gals of the Power Girl <laughs> one shot. I I saw where you were going, and it took every instinct that I had. I'm like, oh, I don't want to step on Todd. I want to see what he's going to use. Yep, yep. Al's gals is the one that I'll always go to, Joe. Banksy, Banksy's beauties was what the Banksy, real thing was called. Blanksky's beauties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a, so that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Such a good show, but go ahead. So that Fire and Ice uh, book on the list again. I don't know if it's solicited as an ongoing a miniseries. I don't know what it is. Um, but it looks like it's a fish out of water sort of thing. It's entitled Fire and Ice. Welcome to Smallville. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, these two characters that don't belong in the farm and town and the farm and town, crazy things will happen. Or, or ice will be the, the, like the naive good one who does fit in. Right. And like, she's there and it's like fire. Who's like, Oh my God, I just want to go to like a club in New York or whatever. But that being said, it is on my list and maybe all the variant covers will be on my list too. All right. Fair enough. We'll see. You do have a box for those sort of things. I have a box for everything at this yeah. point, Joe. Uh, so also, we had mentioned it recently, um, the dailyplanet.com, mm-hmm. uh, which is just kind of like a front-facing URL masking thing for a section of the DC's website, but that's okay. Um, they're treating the DC Planet as an actual news website. And, you know, they have ads for things going on in the DC Universe there. Um, Your Big Belly Burgers, your Ferris Air, your that sort of thing. Uh, But apparently they've been updating it uh, weekly with, you know, teasers for stories that are going on in the DC Universe books. Right. And then it would, like, take you to that page and it would be like, okay, here's a solicitation for the book that's going on. And then it would be like, oh, like, where would you like to buy that digitally? Or how about find a local comic shop? You know what I mean? Or find right. where you could buy it from a brick and mortar. And I was like, aren't these all Joe's ideas? <laughs> like, they're listening. Like, the Longbox Heroes effect is real, Joe. I, so I like that you think that the Longbox Heroes effect is real. I just think... Um, I like I have the same idea. Like these feel like easy ideas to me. I don't know, and I just think maybe they get these ideas out there half baked, mm-hmm. 
and then it's like, oh yeah, we should do this with this, and like, oh yeah, we should do this and things with this. Whereas when the site goes out there and it's missing those things, any schlub would look at it and say, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if they had this and this and this? And it's just like they do have those things. It's just they want to get the site up, and they neglected to put that stuff up there. Right. Well, they don't have any schlub. They have you as the schlub, Joe. That's where they're taking the ideas from. So, but no, I get it. It should be a, a no-brainer. But just as soon as I saw it, I was like, these are all the things that Joe said, and you know, he was ahead of the curve, unless they just couldn't figure out how to get it up there. You know, right. Maybe. And to say that the DC website is still going through some growing pains is an understatement. Right. At least the Marvel one's good, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? So you mentioned that. Um, Marvel site is better. Right. Uh, but not great. And just today, as we record this, they've officially migrated all of their digital books away from the Amazon Comixology interface. That's a good thing, though, right? Um, so, yes and no. Um, so, so I'll say no. It's not a good thing because them going away from Comixology, which is where all of my Marvel books were, emphasis, were uh, stored. Um, not that I was using the Amazon version of Comixology to read my Marvel digital books because their interface was terrible. Mm-hmm. But now the fact that they've gone away from it completely, like, they did give everyone a heads up. They gave, like, I think, like, two or three weeks ago, they said, hey, this day's coming on May 1st, right? So May 1st, be ready. And they're like, it's not like everything's gone on May 1st, but if you don't create a Marvel Unlimited app login and connect it to whatever you had those digital books through... You're going to lose those digital books if you don't do it by, like, I think, like, June 1st, right? Right, right. So it was very easy to do. Um, You know, you don't have to sign up for the Marvel Unlimited, like, pricing structure. Mm -hmm. It's just you have to download the app, connect it to whatever you were using to redeem, like, your codes or whatever it was. Or if you were buying books through Comixology or getting the free books all those years and years ago when they used to do that sort of thing. Um, and you just connect the two, and then that's it. Your accounts are mitigate. Your your accounts are migrated. You pull up the unlimited app, and all your stuff is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, that was a very smooth and easy process. Um, I will say I don't like the way the app sorts. Like what they consider alphabetical is what <laughs> I don't consider. Like their alphabetical is different than my alphabetical. Of course it is. Um. And again, we're on a tangent here. So as I'm pulling up the app, and I look at my library, and I go sort by alphabetical, right? Mm-hmm. Here's how alphabetical works, okay? I'm listening. The first book is Amazing Spider-Man Annual. Makes sense. The next book is Ant-Man. That makes sense. The next book is Absolute Carnage. That seems like it should be before those two. The next book is Age of Ultron. The next book is any of the all-new whatevers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And those are at least in some sort of alphabetization, right? Right, right. So here's so where the the problem comes in is there's all these different, like, annuals and everything else like that that did Amazing Spider-Man, right? Right. 
Um, like there's Amazing Spider-Man Annual 1999 and 2016, and there's all these different little one shots and everything else like that, right? So now there's a bunch of those. Then we get Amazing X-Men. Then we pick up Ant-Man again. <laughs> then we pick up Asgardians. Then we pick up Avengers, right? There's all the Avengers books, Avengers books. Uh, then we get into the Bs. So the A's are kind of screwy only because the actual Amazing Spider-Man ongoing that's currently here is under T for the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, never put anything under the, the T for the. It's under the T for the. Now, the Ant-Man one, could that be under, like, the one Ant-Man was called the Ant-Man and one was called Astonishing Ant-Man? No. The the was, actual title of the book that's at the top of the list is actually, it was a one-shot called The Last Days of Ant-Man, but mm-hmm. they have it cataloged in here as Ant-Man colon Last Days. Uh, yeah, as it, that's... <sighs> every but, algorithm... But, Right, but A-M and A-N should not come before A-B. Right, and I almost was like, okay, as you were doing it, I was like, are they doing it as a carnage book? You know what I mean? Like, for C, and then there was more A's no. after Absolute Carnage. I'm like, no, this doesn't make any sense. And then, and then I'll go you one further. So, like, obviously, like, every time they reboot Captain America, like, with a new number one, they go by the year, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the years in which they go in. First, <laughs> first is 2018. Then is 2017. Right. Then is 2011. Then is 1968. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, they're going in reverse order. No, because here's 2004. Here's 2014. Here's 2015. Here's 2016. Now, as I overthink things, and you know that, um, yep. maybe because of the le- the legacy numbering, like it'll be like, okay – like the 1960 whatever one that was at the front of the line but then we stopped it and did volume two volume three but because we legacy numbered it it jumps back into the middle because now it'll have like 713 do you know what i'm trying to say but they would do like that legacy numbering like flip-flopping in the middle of runs right right so, so that's I'd probably have to look at each one individually to see how much of the legacy numbering is in what specific one Right. I have a feeling that it's legacy m- numbering that might be screwing with all that. Yeah. And then just lastly, Daredevil, 2022, mm-hmm. 2014, 2019, 2021, 1998, and then another 2022 one shot. Yeah. Anyway, Doctor Strange is correct. Good. All right. Good for him. Yep. <laughs> they needed magic to get it right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, speaking of Marvel, um, they recently released an omnibus of the 70s Planet of the Apes book, the 60s yep. Planet of the Apes book. Yeah, the, yeah, the original one that was before... I think it was like the gold key ones, maybe. Sure. And I guess people are up in arms because for what you get and what you pay, it is the most expensive omnibus of all time. It is ridiculous, Joe. 
Um, so, the, you know, they'll tell you, you know, whether we're talking about an omnibus, an absolute or whatever it is, right? An absolute is usually 12 to 15 issues. An omnibus is usually 30 to 50 issues, running you about 100, 150 bucks, depending on how big it is. Uh, the Planet of the Apes omnibus is 11 issues at $100 retail. Mm-hmm. And then, like, people, like, figured it out, like, how much that is per page and then compared it to other omnibuses that are out at the time. And I will say this. Obviously, this does not affect me in any way, shape, or form. Um, I could certainly see this being an issue with folks not picking it up just because of what you're getting for what you're paying. But this definitely feels like it's this expensive because the li- it's a the, the license for Planet of the Apes is that much more expensive. Somebody said and I can't take credit for online, but they said it's probably the Disney buying Fox tax on the people. Mm. It's like anything that's going to come out, like any like Dark Horse or any of those like aliens or, or Predator that are the old stuff. It's like we're going to charge extra for that to make our money back quicker on acquiring Fox. And I'm like, that's not that far fetched. But if you want to have a good laugh, Joe. When next time you're in the shop, ask our retailer about that 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 book because he had the day he got it, he was maybe a, a smidge hot about it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, he, he was holding it up, and he's like, "This reprints like X amount of issues." You said it to me, and I can't remember off the top of my head. And he's like, "I can buy each of those issues for four to eight dollars, and this is a hundred dollar reprint." He goes, "I could buy all the issues." For less than half of what this hardcover costs. And I was laughing. I was like, that's that's just bad. And then he's like passing it around. He's like, here, this is what $100 gets you. Joe, it's the thinnest hardcover you're ever going to see. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I can't see um, Marvel saying like, yeah, we made a mistake. We're going to rebate you on this. Or we're going to make it up to you with the next omnibus of Planet of the Apes stuff that we get. And we're going to, like, you know, it's going to be double, and we're going to half the price to offset the cost of that. Mm-hmm. No, it's just, you're going to get this, and you're going to like it. Yep. Yeah. But at least it's all perfect. It's not like there's word balloons missing. There's just not a lot of pages, Joe. Right, exactly. Let Less opportunity for mistakes. There's, there's that word again. That's yeah. right. Uh, so, that's all we got in news. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some conventions this weekend, of course. Um... Not a lot of comic folks, but a lot of people calling their things comic book conventions. You know, your mileage may vary. Um, There is the Indiana Comic Convention in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of Flash folks are going to be there. Uh, Grant Gustin and the great Tom Cavanaugh, who I would love to be in the Flash movie, but I doubt he is. I don't think he is. Uh, John Glover, uh, who played Lionel Luthor, amongst many other roles uh, in comic book-related things. And the great Paul Williams is going to be there. Oh, my goodness. That's fantastic. Yes. I would love to meet Paul Williams. He was in both. He Listen, he wrote songs for the Muppet movie, right. and he was also little Enos Burdett in the Smokey and the Bandit movies. That's like the bridge to two of my loves. There's one other thing that goes with my love of Muppets and Smokey and the Bandit, but Paul Williams is up there. You're lucky I'm not going to incriminate you. <laughs> I know you're not. 
I was gonna. I had an opportunity before, but I chose not to. There's that word again. That's right. And then we have Contropolis in Oaks, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I think is that this is that same place that did you go with DJ and Brett that one time to do like when they did the toy show at this place? No, I went to a toy show with Adam, but that was about it. I never went with Brett and DJ. Okay, because it's like near the Philly area. Were you and the somebody? No, you did go to this convention. Oh, it was with Adam, and someone rode by and yelled your name. Yes, yeah, Sinestro waved me down. Yes, so it's it's that where that convention was is where this convention is. Oh, okay. Um, but again, Contropolis, not so much comic book folks, but a lot of interesting, uh, you know, pop culture type folks. Bob Eubanks is going to be there. Oh, he's a great game show host. Yes, Carrie Elways is going to be there. Uh, Corey mm-hmm. Feldman is going to be there. And I did give DJ the Iggy because he's a big, legit Corey Feldman fan. Right, right. And that's less than a two-hour drive for him. So, you know. He might head down. You never know. Uh, Edward Furlong is going to be there. Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson of Clerks. Not a full Clerks reunion. So if you want to do the uh, Navy SEALs opportunity in the parking lot, buyer beware. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the great Michael Bean is going to be there. Oh, my God. From The Mandalorian? Cool. Yes. Uh, many, many other things. Um, all the James Cameron films, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, from the world of sports and entertainment, Rikishi. Samu and the Godfather are going to be there. Is he doing the double uh, picture opportunity? Uh, it is a two-day convention. He would be foolish if he didn't. Now, should he do it one each day? Yes. Or, okay, not one half the day and one the other half? You could do that. You know, if you see the Godfather line is uh, dying down a little bit, take an hour break, go put the Papa Shango makeup on, right? swap out the, the 8x10s, and you got a new line, you know? Right, right, right. Papa Shango, the Samoan bulldozer. Yep, yep. No, that's two <laughs> different guys. I know. There's a story about that where I drove you absolutely nuts, and I don't know if you remember it, but anyway. A story of you driving me absolutely nuts in regards to wrestling things. Yes. I, I mean, mean you were cast, a legit. It's, it's not a guy leaning out of the ropes looking sad, is he? Because that, I know. No, no. This was le- I legit kind of had you hot. You told me to shut up. I don't remember this one particularly, but please don't remind me. All right, I won't. All right, and Jamie Farr is going to be there. Oh, the best MASH uh, actor by far. Yes, and I might be making a special trip down to Contropolis to harass an 88-year-old man to see why he's rejecting cameos. <laughs> oh, my God, you can take him some uh, some hot dogs down there? I'm going to take him some Tony Pacos. Yep, yep. I'm going to bring him some old collected Shazam books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to... What else is he into? You're going to bring a dress to be signed? I'm going to bring a dress to be signed, yes, yes. Right, right. Um, and I'm going to harass him about why he rejects cameos. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> that's what I do. Right. Um, but, hey, the links to all of these are in the show notes. Uh, every single one of these episodes, of course, and information about... Soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, any of the shows in the soon to be named network, anytime they go live, you could find them there. Uh, whether it be this show that you're listening to right now, Longbox Heroes After Dark as well, uh, Final Wrestling Place, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, and I'm just mentioning the active shows. Some shows are on hiatus, some shows were boutique shows. Go back, look through the archive, her, and, uh, you know, find some of your favorites. And anytime any of our friends from these podcasts 
go on other podcasts and they let me know. We make sure that it's all in one stop just for you. Soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, be sure to check out some of our other friends and the stuff that they're up to on the internet. Uh, Mike Sterling's blog, Progressive Ruin. Check that out. Our friend Kevin's blog over at mastlibrary.com. Uh, Rick Williams, the chop shop at karate, free karate chops.storeenvy.com. Uh, Chris Runs Fortress of Comic News.com. He does a more day and date comic news. He's had a lot more interview folks on recently as well. And you could also pick up a s- copy of his self published uh, comic book, Battle Monsters. Jason Sandberg's Jupiter. Uh, not didn't meet its goal. It cr- crashed its goal. He got ten times over what he was shooting for uh, to do Jupiter number one, and I think that's going to go a long way to getting more issues of Jupiter out. The Indiegogo is done, but it still sits there as a store, so that if you want to go and purchase it after the fact, after the campaign is ended, which it has, you can. So definitely do that. And if you do not have a comic book store in your area, or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, this is the weekend to find one, because it is free comic book day, but also let our comic book store be your comic book store. It's worth the drive, no matter where you're coming from. Comics on the Green, in the heart of downtown Scranton, I have Dave the Gang's Facebook linked up. That's where Dave lets you know when all the new releases are in, when the final order cutoff dates are uh, for the hottest and newest and latest and greatest books. And you could sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And if you do, you get a sketch from our good friend Becky. Uh, I have her social media linked up. If you're not harassing her to have stuff for sale already, I'll be doing so in person. I'll be making a special trip to the store on Saturday to give her a hard time that she has nothing for sale. Yep, yep. And I would also like to say, if you're going to your local comic shop for free comic book day, you know, pick up some free comic books. But, you know, while you're there, uh, help the shop out. Maybe buy a back issue, maybe a trade back, paperback, give them a couple of shillings, you know, help, as we always joke, help keep the lights on for them. You know, it what helps to bring people in the door, you know, to, to sell some product, too. Right. And any comic book shop worth its salt is going to be having sales out. Right. They're going to have pub- uh, publicizing some stuff that they're going to be doing and the comic book industry kind of helped them there's a lot of new number ones this week that are going to be out on shelves mm-hmm. uh, familiar properties that you may or may not know uh, there's some big you know big milestone issues that are out this week so you know we'll kind of get into some of those when we get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week right. but right now what well, i would like to add oh. one last thing too joe is yes. uh jason sandberg yes. because his uh jupiter thing was so big he ended up extending the indiegogo another 30 days so as oh. we record this there is 26 days left to back it because as of right now it is 1015 percent backed Oh, okay. Because I know when he was on to uh, when we interviewed him, he said like once the campaign was over, it would just yep. kind of sit there, you know. Right. Um, I saw that he did say that, but I forgot about it. And as you were mentioning, Jay, it that it was over, it kickstarted my brain. I looked it up to definitely double check. He's got extra time if you want to go uh, back the Indiegogo. Absolutely, definitely go check that out. So. Um, just as I was about to segue, what we read this past week, Todd, where would you like to begin? I'm going to start with the book we were both looking forward to, which is Green Arrow number one, uh, written by a Joshua Williamson and art by Sean Zasky. 
Um, this is, you know, obviously a t- tale about Ollie Queen. Um, the book starts out, we're not sure what's going on with him. He's washing up on this shore and he ends up, he's in this weird, I don't know, like in, on another planet in another dimension. We're not 100% sure. And he's like, oh, like this has happened to me before. Kind of, uh, I- insinuating like his origin of being trapped on an island. Um, and then he basically, you know, starts narrating the book in, in, to us kind of a deal. And he basically goes, he hits all the high spots. It's like, here's my origin. Here's who I trained with kind of a deal, how I became the Green Arrow. Um, and then it comes into like a modern day thing where he mentioned his family, like, you know, the Arrow family, if you will. And they're chasing somebody down. Um, you know, there's and they each give and he each gives an explanation for each of the characters. And I do like Joshua's writing. He gets in my mind, he nails each and every one of the characters as he describes it. And then somebody shows up to uh, help. Um, and it's you know you're not quite sure who it is and then somebody's like i don't know how i don't know why you're here and i don't understand how it works but they go i know who you are i would never mistake who you are but it doesn't make sense and you know let's figure all this out but they end up getting transported to where ollie is and it's it's kind of like left ambiguous what's going on there and i actually discussed uh this with dj and he's like i'm not sure if i'm supposed to know what was happening like this is something going out of an issue like when the whole justice league died ollie never made it back or if this is going to be something that's going to be explained as the book goes on that's my only minor gripe in this is i'm not sure if it's from that death of justice league story an infinite crisis or whatever dark crisis on infinite earth or it's that um, I wish there was a little more, you know, explanation. But otherwise, the character characterization was perfect, and I loved the art. Right, and I think the strength of those two things that you mentioned, the characterization and the art, um, kind of lets me... And, and let's say, the characterization falls on the writer and Joshua Williamson, and how good his Superman run in the three issues that have been out, of course... Um, makes it okay that I don't exactly know where this fits in because I haven't been reading a Justice League book. And they do have that familiar touchstone, which is, you know, and Ollie even makes reference to it of him washing up on the beach, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that's happened many, many a time to him in the past, but obviously this is a very different world than he knows. Uh, There's a familiar character that you mentioned that he meets. And again, we're trying to be spoiler-free in these sort of things. Um, I did get a big... Uh, kick out of, I guess, who's chasing them? Yes. Right. Um, But Green Arrow, this is the thing that I like about, and I hate to say it this way, but, you know, they're your, I don't want to call them B-listers, but let's say that they're like the A-minus listers in the DC universe, because they're not Batman, they're not Superman, they're not Wonder Woman. Right. But they're Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Flash, etc., that these books, these especially these days, and I say these days, let's say like in the last 10, 15 years, so many of the writers focus so strongly and heavily on the family aspect of these characters. Yes. And I think that is really what shines through on this book, whether or not you know who the character is that connects Ollie on the beach to the rest of the Arrow family, whether or not you know... Um, what 
uh, Ollie's connection is. The book does a fantastic job of encapsulating sometimes in as simply as one panel and uh, you know and sometimes maybe as much as a page of what Ollie's connection is to all of these people and I, I really thought this was a great book but obviously you know if you do not have that cursory knowledge of the Green Arrow family it might be a little bit difficult for you I haven't read a Green Arrow book in a long time but I was able to hop right back right into this and I'm interested to see what is going on with the mystery? Why is Ollie on the island and where this fits into some of the stuff that I may not have been reading up to this point, you know? Yes, I, and I'm with you. The last time I read a Green Arrow book yeah. was Jeff Lemire's run in the New 52. Yeah. That's probably the last time I, re- I read a Green But they really messed up the character since New 52. Like, I like pre-New 52 Ollie, and we're finally getting back to that. So I'm hoping this will, you know quench that thirst for uh green arrow book for sure um so the other book that we both read from this past week is clobberin time number two uh written and drawn by steve scross it's essentially a things and friend miniseries mm-hmm. uh every issue is the thing teaming up with a different non-fantastic four person or maybe it is a fantastic four person because the hulk's been in the fantastic four Yes. Wolverine's been in the Fantastic Four. Um, I don't think it's a spoiler that next issue is Doctor Strange. I think Doctor Strange has been in the Fantastic Four. I don't think he's ever been a member. Hmm. I say close enough, right? Yeah, well. Um, but this is just a fun knockout drag em up book. And any book that does um, that gets to play fast and loose with uh, Wolverine's healing ability is yep. quite all right by me. Yes, I still stand by that. This book is a is a stealth like miniseries for Steve Scrooge to discuss and draw what the thing is under his rocky hide. Yes, because if they went into it a little bit. Or like with the pictures last last month, this month they literally like he's like the guy's like I wonder what's under that rocky hide, and then explains it, and then giant chunks of them get cut off, and they're like, hey, do you remember that time Wolverine cut off a bunch of your stone, and we can see what was under that rocky hide? I'm like, oh my god, by the end of this, he's gonna have no rocky hide. <laughs> so, but I, it's a fun book. I'm just joking. I just find it. I'm as mesmerized by the same thing that Scross is. Yeah, and like I said, it it is it is heavy. There's a bit where um, Ben goes to speak on Krakoa mm-hmm. and gets called out for his um, superhero privilege. Yeah, and I thought that was a fun book or a fun bit, bit in the book. And uh, what his failsafe to get himself out of such sticky situations was as well. Right, the workaround is fantastic. Yeah. Literally, Mister Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of fun elements in this book, but Steve Scrooge is such a unique artist. Um, and, and as Todd mentioned, you know, it's right on the cover of this issue where, you know, Ben is essentially being peeled apart as bits of his rocky hide are stuck to whatever the meat under him is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this is going to lead to some sort of new power of Ben where he could shoot the rocks off of him. Oh, mm. rock throwing powers. Yes. Yes. Or, like, um, they pop out, like, porcupine quills. You know what? Or maybe if he could turn into the pineapple thing 
and then shoot them so they were pointy, that mm -hmm. would be help even more. All right. If this happens in issue four, then definitely somebody's listening to our podcast. Then uh, actually, hundreds of thousands of people are. But what I mean is like people who are like decision makers in the big two comic companies. If that happens, will you definitely admit the long box hero effect is real? Yes. Okay. That's what it'll take for me to, uh, to be convinced of this. Let me get on the blower with Marvel. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, uh, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am in the lead over Todd with three correct guesses. Mm -hmm. And I go first, but I'm looking over your little writing on the pull post. And yes, uh, you're supposed to uh, put your books in an order of DC first, then Marvel, and then all independents in alphabetical order. Not the Marvel alphabetical order, but the real alphabetical order. So, uh, but I'll but let it go. You, this time. you do remember when previews, like, maybe like five to six years ago, mm -hmm. Dark Horse was first, then right. DC, then Image, or no, then IDW, then Image, then Marvel, then everything else. See, I always thought it was DC, then when they were all in the previews at one time, not when where we're doing previewing the past, where they're literally in alphabetical order, when they had bumped to the front. I always thought that it went DC, Marvel, and then the independents in whatever order, the biggest to smallest. I'm almost certain that Dark Horse was in front of DC because Dark Horse was still considered one of the bigger independents. Okay, either way. And but... I know now in the previews it's different, where Dark Horse is like after idw after image which has its own separate previews but like dark it's like you know and dc's not even in the previews anymore right 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 but my mind still had been cataloging those books in that fashion that's just the way it goes right i always thought you did it the way i did the dc then marvel and then independence but either way um, I'm looking over, and I I don't know exactly uh, what book I'm going to pick, but I'm definitely thinking a book. The book you're looking forward to most is one of the many Kyle Starks books that's on this list. But if I had to pull a rabbit out of the hat, I'm going to say the book you're looking forward to most is Peacemaker Tries Hard Number One. It is Peacemaker Tries Hard Number One. Okay. And I am going to say the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week. I was so confident. I even already pulled the link for it for the show notes. And that's Batman 135. It is not Batman. Oh, my goodness. It is also the Kyle Starks Peacemaker Tries Hard book. I've heard a few from a few people that have gotten uh, advanced copies that this is fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yep, and you know, there's other there's the other two Kyle Starks books are this week. It's the finale of Where Monsters Lie. Um, you know, it's the third chapter of the return of I Hate This Place. Um, you know, it's Batman 135, but it's technically Batman 900. Right. Um, apparently there's spoilers out there. I haven't seen any. I've been fighting real hard to avoid them, you know? I saw that it said Batman spoilers, and then once I saw that, I did everything I can to shut it down. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. 
And that uh, Mark Wade Shazam number one looks like it could be fun, too, you know? Um, I was talking with uh, our good buddy DJ at the shop today. Michelle made an appearance, too, which was nice. Uh, I was talking to them, and I'm like, I really want to read that Shazam book. So we may have, with Guardians of the Galaxy and a Sandman thing, we may have four to five to six books to read to to, to, uh, review next week. That's the way I like it. Like I said, let's hope for a nice nice lean news week where we can get right into talking about comics, you know? Right. I have a feeling The Rob is going to go on a tirade, though. Well, I've been keeping an eye on The Rob. Uh, There's a new installment of The Rob, Robservations Up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he put, um, in there that he was going to talk about con- his experiences at conventions and stuff. Um, and you know what, and I, whether you read the Rob observations or not, whether you listen to, or I'm sorry, whether you read Rob's recaps or not, whether you listen to Rob observations or not, I want to, I want to give the Rob, uh, some credit here. And I want to give the Rob some praise. Okay. Right. Now I'm taking him at his word that he says this. Okay. Um, when he goes and does an appearance at a comic book store, not at a convention, but at a comic book store, he charges the comic book store zero for bringing him in. That would be good. Yes. He pays his own flight. He doesn't bring like a whole crew. Um, he takes care of any sort of lodging for himself and anyone that comes into the store that is buying his new book, he'll sign and give it a sketch for free. Okay, that's that's all uh, you know, laudable, man. And okay. and his and his his logic is with the conventions, even if it's like uh, when he's talking about the conventions from the nineties, when like you know we'll talk about on previewing the past this week, where there's an ad in there for San Diego Comic Con, nineteen ninety three, and I think a three day pass for San Diego Comic Con is the early bird special of fifteen dollars. <laughs> it blows my mind. Right. But... So like even then. You know, he's like, you're paying to come into this place, right? Part of the reason that you're paying to come into this place is to see me or get something from me or whatever it is. So we're going to charge you because they're charging at the door. So I want a cut of whatever they're charging at the door. Your comic book store is not charging you to come in. It's free for you to walk into that comic book store and buy anything or nothing. But if I'm there at that comic book store... There's a chance you might buy something, and there's a better chance that you might buy something from me. Yeah, and as a creator that, you know, made it big, and I think this with any creator, it's like, well, it's the comic shops that made you who you are. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, you have to give back. And that's why the one thing that I will always say is, like, say what you want about Dave Sim. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, whether he's crazy, you don't believe with his ideologies, whatever. But there was a time when, like, uh, the big bookstores were knocking on his door to get the trades. And it was like, no, the only place I'm going to sell them is through comic shops because they made me who I am. And if I do that, it takes money out of the pockets. And I'm like, yeah, like every creator who's made it was worth their salt and made it or hasn't made it should take care of every brick and mortar comic shop, especially older creators. Cause they were the ones who, you know, benefited from the nineties, baby. Absolutely. Um, so, right. So I mentioned that, of course, while you're over at Longbox Heroes, be sure to check out some of the other stuff that we're doing. I mentioned the new Rob's recaps. Uh, but, of course, what we're here for is to talk about Todd and Joe have issues uh, where we are doing our full reread of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Excuse me. Um, and we are currently uh, in the middle of 
chapters four and five, respectively, of A Game of You. Yes. Um, as I always joke, written by Neil Gaiman, um, art by Sean McManus. Um, you know, Barbie's with it, with her friends from the, the dream that she has, uh, and they're making their way to the, la- to the, they know where they have to go. They're not sure what they have to do with the necklace that she has, but they're going and they're basically giving her the lay of the land, discussing the people that are between here and there. Um, and along the way they're discussing, uh, you know, who would have known what to do? And they say, you know, the, the aeromancer, uh, he would have known what to do. And she's like, Oh, I always liked him. He, you know, he, and she even says, reminds me kind of my grandfather in a way, like an old uh, kind of guy who's very nice. And as they're doing that, they come upon his corpse in a horrific, uh, like, you know, his chest blown out, like a, like a chest buster from aliens got him. And he's like screaming in pain, kind of a deal, but he's frozen in the snow that they're trudging through and he's holding a scroll. So they end up, uh, you know, remembering him. And one of the bits about it is where she talks about, he had a group with them where there was this people who carried a, a room and they hid in it. And then like when they left the room, they were in a different place, which is a dream that I legitimately have had. So I always like that bit. Like it always like resonated with me. And she, she says, well, we have to bury them. They end up burying them. It takes extra time. And then they get the package that he has had. And in it is pictures of Polaroids of her from the real world and how her face was painted like a checkerboard. It's if different each time. And I like that she explains that, that it's like, Oh, I was going to get my face tattooed, but that was permanent. And this way I could be somebody different every day. If I like paint my face, very like interesting insight to the character. But the real payoff here is that he has the etymology of the cuckoo and it goes into the, explain the cuckoo, how the cuckoo, you know, lays its eggs in somebody else's nest. And then by proxy, the people who have that nest take care of the kid for them. And then in the end, the cuckoo's ruling the roost. And it, you know, it doesn't get in any trouble because it kind of has this hypnotic voice that can kind of do things. And then they don't get to read the rest of what, you know, this person had found because some of the cuckoo's people come by her uh, army or the uh, cuckoo's army. And they're like, oh, we have to hide. Um, the army goes past and they go on their way. But in that time, the scroll and other works have turned into like dream stuff. And to me, that's very important, you know, cause we don't get the full story, which may have helped later. Um, so while that's going on, Lucian is talking to Sandman about like where this is happening, the little like islands of dream that they're still falling apart. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to keep an eye on it. And Nuala gets his Sandman's attention. He's like, when all this started, there was a human named Barbie that, you know, was involved in all this. And I basically couldn't do anything. I couldn't just stand by and do nothing. So I warned her. And in a great, like, six uh, panel page of Sean McManus, he goes, I see. Thank you for telling me that will be all. And he walks away and a great shot, him walking like three, two panels away. And then he turns and he comes back and he says, Nuala, you did the right thing. And I, I kind of got goosebumps because Nuala is overjoyed. One that she didn't get, you know, buried by Sandman and he, like this. And he kind of praised her. And I think I'm going to say it maybe before you do. This is a ch- like the 
before Sandman won, Morpheus would have never done this. He either would have ignored her for the information or he would have chastised her. And once again, uh, like a progress of the character. You agree? Um, okay. Yes, absolutely. And obviously there's the, even the bit, as you mentioned, of these six panels. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where on the third panel, he stops and you see his hands are in a dis- different position. We can see his back. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that he has his hand on his chin and he's thinking. You know what I mean? Yes. Does that make sense? Like, he's really thinking about it. And it's a dichotomy of faces, okay? Um, Obviously, Nuala is relatively new to the dreaming. She was kind of given by her brother, I guess it was, when they came to make their bid for hell. She didn't know that she was being left there. And, of course, being left there without her glamour. And even when we saw her pop up in Barbie's dream before, not only, you know, did she look frumpy, and again, the way, you know, obviously there was a difference in the way that she was drawn initially and the way that she was drawn here without her glamour, but she was definitely someone who was sad. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she's sad in those pages where she's letting Morpheus know what she did, you know, not making eye contact, looking down, looking away. And then when Morpheus comes over and tells Nuala that she did the right thing, he has a different, um, like, an almost softness to his face that he does not have in the previous panels. And then that last panel of her smiling, and it gives you the feeling that this is the first time that she's smiled since she's been in the dreaming. Yes, because she did not want to be given away. And now finally there's some, yes, I totally get what you're saying. And I, and like I said, I brought up because that six panel page is just some of the greatest stuff in this uh, storyline. You know what I mean? I just love it. Right. Um, So now we kind of cut back to the group with Barbie and they're discussing, you know, everything, how the world works, like the dream. And She's like basically like she's always had this dream kind of it. But in the end, she's just basically saying um, you didn't create this. This was they were even saying this was here before you. You didn't create it. Maybe you kind of shaped it kind of a deal. And she goes in the end, she's just basically saying, I can't ever remember being so happy before. Like this is what makes me happy no, I'm not this happy even when I was a little bitty kid just playing with my toys and stuff like that all little things that may come into play you know what I mean and I like the bit that they're talking about sometimes uh, you know the people in the woods in there they're mentioning like are there any spiders and, and they're like no the spiders live over you know two forests over but they're not involved with the cuckoo they're just normal people and just the, the wackiness that's going on and they're kind of like i feel like something's watching us kindly uh, constantly and they're like well you got to watch out for the tweeners man though they never explain what they are kind of a deal hey man i'm a tweener it's tracy right? smothers it's tracy smothers is what it is <laughs> right so um and they like they're like they were deep in the forest um and we don't know how to get around like we can't see so pernado the the monkey Every once in a while, would go up into the trees and give them the bearing, and then tell them which way one of they would go. And then I just love the one line when it goes like they're just sitting there, and they're like, and then one day Pernado didn't come back. In one sentence, ominousness. Just you're just overwhelmed with it. That's never a good thing when somebody just says, and then one day they didn't come back, Joe. 
Um, so through the bit there, I, like I, she, I, I want to point out the bit prior to that about the giant spiders. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, Barbie, like just her inner monologue is like, I kind of feel like Bilbo and Mirkwood with the giant spiders. So she stops to ask Wilkinson if there are any giant spiders around here. And he says around here, of course not. He says, they're all in a little forest to the west. They're good people, loyal to you, but not the cuckoo. But they're few in number and really timid. And she's like, oh, that's nice. Yep, yep. Um, (laughs) Oh, boy. What a world. What a world, huh? What a world. So, throughout it all, like, like, we don't... I'm sorry, not to interrupt. So, you mentioned the part, is like, then one day, Pranato didn't come back, okay? Mm -hmm. And they're lamenting, and they're trying to figure things out, and they're like okay, we've been heading toward the sea, like, maybe we should find, like, a river or stream, since they should technically be flowing into the the, the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. And Barbie says uh, to Wilkerson, do you think Pernado's alright? And he says emphatically, no. Wilkerson is, like, the straightforward man in this, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Um, so they're sleeping, you know, nighttime falls, they're sleeping in the thing, and then that just horrible picture of Pernado like hung with the tongue out is horrific, Joe. And they're basically, they're basically like, Oh my God, like it's Pernado. And then they hear some voices and she's like, do you serve the cuckoo? And it's like, no. And they, they say their bits. And that's when Wilkinson realizes that it's the tweeners man. And he just, I like when there's no explanation, like your answer is just run. Just run and they take off, but in the end, the like the kind of the necklace kind of goes off the porpentine and it keeps everybody at bay. And they're like, we should be okay at this point. You know what I mean? Right, as long as they're guided by the path. Yes, yes. yes. So they get to the sea, kind of a deal, and they're like, okay, now what? Well, there's a lot of people between here and where we have to get. We're going to send uh, Luz out to find some people who are loyal and we should be okay. Um, cut back to New York and George is with Wanda. They're guarding Bar- Barbie's body. George is obviously the dismembered face and stuff like that. And George can now talk with Wanda. And this is one of those scenes that I just kind of want to touch on because of how, how much I like it. And he ends up explaining to Wanda why she couldn't go through the moon. And it's basically like because of the chromosomes, like you're 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 a man, not a woman. And the gods, you know, blah, 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 will not. You know, it's all about that. And she's like goes back and forth about it. And in the end, it's like doesn't matter. And this is the line. It goes uh, gender isn't something you can pick and choose as far as the gods are concerned. And Wanda in like a great panel, kind of like new, the opposite of Nuala smiling. She goes. Well, that's something the gods and can take and stuff. I know who I am saying like, I know what I am. And this in various interviews, like when Neil Gaiman said, this was one of the most, either he is for this storyline, remotely loved by uh, genuinely loved by people or hated by people on this scene. Um, The way they feel about, uh, you know, gender issues. If you get what I mean, even if not that they disagree with them or agree with them, it's like, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to explain because I'm dancing around it, but it's just very, it divided people. It's like, it's, you could say it's magic that decides this because it's not real, yeah. but her knowing what it is, what she is, people found that 
very like comforting. It's like that's good. But then there were other people that attacked him. It's like, well, it's not about genders. Like it, it it's not about wh- who you are, what the gods are thinking. He's like, yes, that's fake. That's made up. I'm trying to explain. She believes what she is. And in the end, like a lot of people fought about it. He goes, and to this day still. But that that is one of the scenes from this storyline that stuck with me till this day, Joe. As we were reading, I I knew this was coming. And I always thought this was a very powerful, powerful scene. And I know I butchered what I'm trying to do. No, no, listen, I I I I get what you're saying. Um this was a powerful moment in a comic book published over 35 years ago. If this was published new in a comic book today, it would make headlines. Mm -hmm. This discourse, this conversation, this back and forth. And, you know, obviously, um, as you mentioned, there are definitely two camps that there are that have their decisions, whether it be the way that's addressed and handled in this book. And I think the way that it's handled in this book is, you know, if you look at it in the most basic black and white terms, um, you know, to get down to the, the, the nuts and bolts of this, it's the, it's the, um, spiritually attuned face of the villain who mm-hmm. is saying these things to one of our heroic leads. Right. Um, not in a way to discredit them, but in a matter-of-fact way, which we do learn that a lot of these magical, otherworldly people from Morpheus himself, who we're seeing his journey through these books, we're less, we're less than halfway through and we're already seeing change in him. George ain't going to have much more change in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thessaly isn't going to have much more change in her life, right? Right. But, um, uh, who, and again, I, I'm so sorry. Wanda? Wanda is, okay? Wanda is going to have change in her life. Um, and however you want to read that is however you want to read that. And the fact that she gets to give that line at the end of this to say, I know what I am. I think that's kind of powerful. Like that's powerful in 2023. That's powerful in 1991. Powerful, but yes, I agree. Not like not a, but more of a, uh, also so far ahead of its time, Joe. Yes. Like we've been over this multiple times in this storyline, but my God, maybe even kind of, you know, maybe I was young and stupid in 1990, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And may have, led me down the right path if that makes any sense so just i like i said i'll always i'll always always remember that scene and especially the face that wanda makes when she tells off george yeah um but to go also there's a bit where uh george is saying thessaly has has done some bad stuff too by traveling the lunar path um maybe he's done worse than you can imagine is basically what and he says uh yeah we will we'll see and also we find out that because Thessaly left, that's why George can talk and Wanda can leave at any time, but she doesn't, which is very important. Like once again, puts over our hair, our heroin. You know what I mean? I like that. Um, cut back to the dreaming. They're waiting on uh, Luz to come back. And basically she does. I forgot that she, that it, Luz is a she. And they're like, okay, did you find any people? And he, she's like, lots of them. And basically that's her, and she's brought back the guard for the cuckoo. 
Wilkinson tries to stop them, but in another gruesome picture, he gets killed. And like the shot of him being killed with the eyes, like doing the swirly thing, which should be funny, but it's not just like going for the throat and the spear. I was absolutely mortified when I read this for the first time. I felt so bad for Wilkinson. Right. So bad for Wilkinson, but also the fact that Laws sold them all out. Laws has been working for the cuckoo this entire time. I would disagree. You? Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Laws has not been, but we'll find out right. why. Right. I just I was gonna lay yes. that down. I'm like, I always like Laws betrayed her, but we'll see in a little bit. So they said like, let's take her to the citadel to the cuckoo. And I do like because Luz is a bird. I always kind of maybe thought Luz was the cuckoo. And when that when Luz brought the guards. Um, but I'll also explain why I don't think even here, because it's in this issue. The reason I don't think she was in on it the whole time is because why didn't she yell out when the guards were passing earlier on in this issue? And this would have been over. That's true. You see what I'm saying? So like, I do. Makes no, makes no sense. So they go to the Citadel and she's like, wait a minute, that's not a Citadel. That's literally looks like my house from when I was a child in Florida. And I like that. And they're like, oh, we're, we're going in. The cuckoo's waiting for you. Very interesting. You know what I mean? Um, anything you would like to add before, you know? No. And again, this is another one of those ones I mentioned last week. And I'll mention this here again. As we reread this stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. the beginning of Sandman, like pre-Game of You and Kindly Ones and Beyond, that stuff that happens in between. I read a couple times, like maybe two or three times, but it's not as like fresh and reticent in my head as that other stuff is. Mm-hmm. So as I reread this stuff here, it's like the onion of my brain is being peeled of those layers of that knowledge that has been in there this whole time that just needed that little bit of a zhuzh to mm-hmm. be reawoken, you know? Yep. Yeah. So on to issue 36. Um, I'm not going to go, because this is a hodgepodge of artists working together to do this issue. You know what I mean? Um, But she goes into the house and she describes it, all the things that she remembers. But everything seems smaller, which I always liked. Anybody who grows up and goes back someplace that they were as a kid, it always feels like that. And she's discussing like the ocean and how everything. And this little girl comes in. And says, like, I kind of, you know, understand everything that you're thinking. And uh, it's like, oh, you remind me of me. He's like, well, I am you. And they end up showing scars and stuff like that. And he's like, you, you're me. And she's like, not quite, but I'm kind of part of you. You sort of created me. I'm the cuckoo. So this this little, you know, seemingly harmless girl is the cuckoo. And she basically starts explaining you know, how kids have their their dreams, their slash, their fantasies, their imaginary worlds, and boys live a world of hypermen and, and weird Zaros. But women, girls, want to, girls want to be princesses. They want to be taken away. Their parents aren't their real parents. That whole, like, fantasy kind of a deal. And as we go, she starts showing her the world and how her childhood relates to the dream world that she has, you know, not so much created, but kind of acquired like she took over it was there before but they end up showing all the toys and it's all the people that we've met like wilkinson and luz and all the various other people and she basically says i needed you know a place 
to kind of lay my egg kind of a deal. And as she does, Barbie's getting like groggier and groggier and she kind of like hypnotizes her with her voice, which takes us back to the etymology of the cuckoo that it has a hypnotic voice. Um, and she ends up getting kind of hypnotized, which kind of makes me feel that's what happened to Luz. You know what I mean? Uh, or she would have betrayed them with the first of, uh, you know, when the guards walk by. So in, I, I just want to interject here if I could. Okay. Sure, no problem. So I, I want to interject, and I think these couple. I know that you said there's several artists that do this. Um, in the trade that I have here, it doesn't have the page breakdown of who does what, but I think these pages here specifically are Colleen Doran. Right. Okay. Whether it's intentional or not, I love that the cuckoo, the younger version of Barbie, um, is kind of drawn not as a cute little kid. Kind of um, like. She almost, there's a couple shots in particular, um, especially there's the one shot where she's pointing out all of the, um, the dolls, Mm -hmm. um, that were all of her, like, you know, the helpers, the, the Pranado and so forth, that she almost looks like Alfred E. Newman. Okay. I was going to say that or a King of the Hill character, but yeah. I, I, but I, I lean more toward Alfred E. Newman only because, you know, Alfred E. Newman uh, famously had the missing front tooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in these pages, the cuckoo is drawn to have a missing tooth, like, on the side, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel as though that was a conscious decision. And again, I can dive deep into, like, what teeth fall out first or whatever it is, but just the way that it works. Um but I think that was a conscious decision to make you think that this kid is Alfred E. Newman, because I think Warner, um, you know, obviously had a much smaller piece in DC this early. Um, but DC was definitely involved with Mad Magazine, and they didn't want to come right out and have it be, um, uh, which we call it, uh, Alfred E. Newman. But I definitely get those vibes. Right, but it was always supposed to be Barbie because she even says, you know, a little Barbie. But I, I'm with you. The head always looked oversized to me in the artwork, too. You know what I mean? Right. But she's saying, but she, before she goes, she tells Barbie, like, do you like me? Because be careful. This is a big thing. It's like, I have the right to be happy kind of a deal. And she's like, yeah, you do. Then you won't mind if I completely destroy you. And Barbie's like, sure. And she's like, oh, good. And kind of kisses her um, and says, like, we're going to do the thing at Moonrise cut to New York um, because obviously Thelcy has messed with the moon. We saw in the past couple of issues, it went away and came back that there was a hurricane that was going to miss New York, but basically because Thelcy mucked with stuff, it's, it's coming back. And now we see uh Foxglove. Uh, what was the name of the other woman? I can't Hazel and Thessaly traveling the road of the moon, which is a great shot and how being the three of them on the path, their their minds intertwine and they can't separate themselves and it's cool that we get some introspection into some of the minds of the other character but it's it's very brief you know what i mean um so they end up in uh barbie's dream they're like we're here and i like once again we're thessaly's not making any bones about it she's like um uh we're here I, I learned how to do this. I picked it up along the way. And she's like, all right, well, we start looking for Bar- Barbie. And Destiny's like, we're going to find the cuckoo. She's like, but Barbie. And she's like, Barbie didn't try to kill me. 
The cuckoo did. I'm here to find the cuckoo. Hopefully, it'll all work out after that. Thessaly is a very one-track-minded joke. Barbie or Barbie, uh, Thessaly needs to have that growing experience of being locked up in someone's basement for ninety years, like Morpheus did, Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of like teach her the way. Yep. So along the way, they find Wilkinson's body, and she ends up using a spell with its blood and getting Wilkinson's essence, soul, whatever, to come back and answer questions. And another effect that I love: every time Wilkins shows up in the pool of blood. He looks he looks cooler than regular Wilkinson, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It looks very 2D. I don't know how you can make something look even more 2D in a 2D comic, if that makes any sense. Um, it's very well done, the effect. Um, so he gives them the, the gist and says, you know, go on, you know, where, where they are and uh and that he failed her. And he's I just like he's like, now leave me be, let me go, you know. And they're like, okay. So they go. And that's when Fox, Love, and Hazel um, have their thing. Like that, she's like, "You got pregnant, didn't you?" Because they're a lesbian couple, and she basically tries to, you know, talk about it. And Fox Glove loses her mind, calls her some names, like basically, like gets mad at her, and you know, has a two or three panel uh, tirade on her. But in my mind, totally, you know, understandable because your love cheated on you. But the bit that I absolutely love is when she calls her so dumb. She's like, you're dumb. Do you know that? Dumb and selfish and deceitful and secretive and, and dumb. (sighs) Do you know how much this baby is going to cost us? Joe, that us is important. Mm -hmm. I love the scene where she's like, I got it out. But now we have to, for first, it's going to cost a book of baby names. And I love it. it. Their love is strong enough to survive that. Well, for now, I mean, we don't know what could happen, but I, I, I just, to me, this is a very realistic thing. If you're going to forgive them, yeah, got to get it out first. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Uh, great scene. Powerful scene with these characters. Um, I know we do get a little bit more with them later on down the line. Um, I do want to just say this. Okay? okay. It's been a while since I've brought this up. It really is more so in this issue than the previous issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the digital coloring more than the original coloring on this issue. Oh my god! There's something about Sean McManus's art, especially when they're in the dream world, uh, especially a lot of that stuff, um, where his the the digital color makes his art just pop that much more. The Wilkinson and the blood is way better in the digital. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and like I said, I haven't gone and compared each time, but I'm willing to be open to the discussion, but I don't, I'm not going to sit here with an open comic and the digital because then, I don't know if you know this, Joe, I can't multitask. That's um, what I hear. That's what I heard. Yep. So basically, you know, we're back to uh, George and Wanda guarding Barbie and things are going down. They hear like noises outside and she looks out and it's the uh I'm scared of the dogs late I don't like dogs lady and um she can't you know she's hurt and she can't let it go Wanda in the true hero fashion goes out and gets the woman and helps her up into uh the uh apartment um and i like that they do little bits of like you know like that how she's she's a bag lady and even though she's being nice she's like oh like 
you you kind of stink kind of a deal. But uh, you know, the storms. <laughs> Getting worse. Uh, you have anything to add there, Joe? Yeah, she, she's like, boy, you stink. I'd let you use the shower, but there's a corpse in the bathtub with its face cut off. I don't believe I just said that. Right. And it's just like, at this point, um, Wanda's seen it all, done it all, unfazed. Um, you know, if she's going to be blunt, she's going to be blunt. If she's going to be honest, she's going to be honest. It is what it is. Right. So now they've taken, uh, not by they, you know, pronouns, pal, um, Luz and the Cuckoo have taken Barbie to where they need to do whatever they do to, the Cuckoo's like, for me to be released kind of a deal. And in the conversation between Luz and Cuckoo, um, she's going like that, uh, I'm going to miss you. And she's like, especially since you're going to, that's funny, especially since you've the last half a dozen years plotting my downfall. Um, I was misguided, Lady Love says, and she says, of course you were, and it just took a little talk to show you the areas away. And this is what cements me that Luz, when she went into town looking for help, was on Barbie's side, got captured by the cuckoo, and persuaded with the voice of the cuckoo. You know yep. what I mean? Um, so she's like, in the moonrise very soon, she'll be able to like be free like they explain how Ooh, now i want to interrupt okay Go ahead. Uh, no where problem. they say the, the place of the hierogram right mm-hmm. and there's kanji characters on there um i didn't look up the translation of those did you right. by any chance no i did not okay they look like kanji characters i wasn't sure exactly what those were you know mm-hmm. that's all <laughs> Right. Um, okay, I'm sorry, I thought you had something to do with it. And then they basically say that the high romancer, like we said, was probably based on the grandfather um, and how Barbie found this land in her dreams and blah, blah, blah. And she was there and she was going to, you know, she's the cuckoo egg that was planted. And then she ends up noticing um, the three of them, the lo- uh, not was, uh, Hazel, uh, Foxglove, and uh, Thessaly coming over. And she ends up saying, Luz, you have to do something for me. And the the cuckoo runs over and is like, oh my god, the cuckoo's here, you have to save me, blah, blah, blah. And in the bitch is like, Thessaly's like, I'm gonna handle this, struts right over and just snap Luz's neck in a great shot. And they're like, oh my god, you did it's like and Thessaly's the smart one. It's like the cuckoo, you don't get it, give it a chance to talk. Like I had to do that. And as brutal as it seems, she's 100 percent right. But Joe, she got the wrong person. Um and the cuckoo basically does the whammy on them and basically uh, uh, gives them, you know, the, the voice and knocks, they, takes over their mind kind of a deal. And she's like, now Barbie wakes up, you have to destroy the, the necklace, the, 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 the thing. And then in the end, what happens is that just destroys the world, but I get to fly kind of a deal as the cuckoo is meant to do. So I'm just going to interject here, um, again, quick Google search. Um, even though people say that there's some brush strokes that are kind of altered, mm-hmm. the kanji that's on the uh, herogram right. uh, translates to katakana, which loosely translates to dreaming. Really? Yes. Okay, that's very cool. Yes. Um. So we get a little bit of uh, Wanda and uh, the I don't like dogs lady um, talking with George and uh, 
I, I this is a bit that I, I kind of have to tread lightly around, but I, I don't know if you know this part because I've always talked about this part. But there, she's understanding what Wanda is, you know, the what the, the way it works, if you will. And she ends up, well, I had, oh, I forget what she says, if it was a nephew, but she knew somebody. And she a was grandson. Also, grandson was also the same as you, was a didn't have the operation, whether she was afraid or not. Saving up for it. Saving up for it, you know. But uh, in the end, you know, what happened to Billy? And the, they say, found him in a hotel room. And five years back, someone had crushed in his head with a monkey wrench, done other stuff, been dead for like a week. Joe, I don't know if, if I've discussed this with you, but do you remember the serial killer convention? Yes. And there was a killer called the, coin, the, the connoisseur who only killed certain unoperated on types of people like Wanda. Mm-hmm. That's the person who killed Billy. According to Neil, it's it's implied. He doesn't go like, oh, I say it. but Or, this- or, or like put like a little footnote. It's like, as mentioned, an issue, whatever. Right. He's like, I'm not going to do that. He goes, but let's just put it this way. All roads lead to Billy being killed by the coinosaur. Take that back to seeing a certain city in a bottle when they put the demon in the chest to like that he that sandman beats in in seasons of mist to this these are the two things that blew my mind when it came to sandman that that's so throwaway so throwaway that me reading a book about neil talking about this putting two and two together makes me realize the the tapestry that he has created for these 75 issues it blows me away and i don't know how to explain it any better but this is one of the moments that makes me think sandman is one of the greatest books ever written i'd be Um, hard for us to disagree with you yep yep and i do like they ended up talking about why you know her, her and the dogs and she's like uh um uh so why do you like dogs and she's just i don't i just don't um so uh cuckoo talks barbie into smashing the thing and uh she's like good now you know it worked the way i i I won i knew it um and now uh the end like is here i get to fly away and i'll have big beautiful wings and lay hundreds of eggs on hundreds of worlds um and she's like it's already started look the the uh stars are falling and um they cut, you know, they do that great shot of the stars falling, and they also cut back to New York being decimated by the the storm. And uh, Morpheus shows up, and they do the cut of the star with his eye, um, and he's here. I'm like here from the terms, kind of a deal, and I like that. Um, well, we get the bit where you know, obviously, she's in control of Barbie. The cuckoo is mm-hmm. cuckoo. Uh, she smashes the, um, you know, her medallion, whatever the thing is called. Um, on the herogram, okay, obviously that we know says dreaming on it, right? Right, right. Destroying both of them, and as we have been seeing, obviously it's a different artist, but I think there's been a conscious effort as that thing gets destroyed that the cuckoo doesn't look to be as Alfred E. Newman-like. Yes, yes. And Morpheus basically lets all the people out of the cuckoo trance, if you will. Yeah. And he ends up saying, well, now there's a thing that I have to do kind of a deal, like uh, as of the deal that I made and they end up, you know, it's, it's Barbie narrating. I'm not going to go through it all, but she's like, and he did things and it was, you know, he seemed to fill the world and it goes, 
And he basically was talking to people and I thought he was talking to me, but he was talking. And this is important to my friend, the poor dead laws, my little Judas. She goes, I couldn't find it in my heart to blame her. I had been a servant of the cuckoo too, because I fell for it. And she got up and um, Murphy's peace be with you. And they, and he's like, and then he started talking and all the people that I've ever known for my dreams, they all start showing up and they start walking into his cloak and that visual of them all walking into his cloak and he seems bigger than whatever um, is absolutely fantastic. Even to the point where he says like they were all there, like Wilkinson and Pernado waving when they saw me and the shot of them waving, looking so happy, even though I know they're dead makes me happy either way. Like, even though it's a sad ending, this gives me a little bit of happiness, if that makes any sense. Right. Uh, and, you know, obviously you have Barbie's narration as she's trying to describe what she's seeing. Right. Mm-hmm. And obviously what she's seeing is so otherworldly. Um, so, you know, whatever, like just the size disparis- disparity that she's seeing in front of her and her trying to convey that in her mind, right. I think, adds so much to the scenes as well. Right. In three quick lines, she's like, as they're walking and we get the visual of him becoming huge. She's like, did he become huge or did they become tiny as they reached him? Do such concepts even apply? Which is a great three, quick three lines to explain it all. You know what I mean? Yes. And then in the end, they were like, the saddest one showed up. And her name is Alenora. And he's like, you know, as in the deal, you know, the end is here. And she's like, now what? Now it ends. And and this is important. He's like, a long time old love. Your land has been home to many since your day. So this is establishing that this is another of Morpheus's lovers. And he's like, now it's time to go kind of the last kind of go the way of what it is. And the great shot of him holding the whole land in his hand and then it turning to sand. He's Sandman. I mean, this should be so like two on the nose, but somehow it all works kind of a deal. So uh, I will say that shot that you mentioned there where the land turns into you know as they were living in it and whatever and then it it's just something that it's in his hands and that it's just sand that blows away that panel okay mm-hmm. is probably the most famous panel in this book it's been it, used a lot it's been used so much um and when i saw it i'm like that's where it's from i i you know it's been so long since i've seen it I just assumed that it was like mass market piece that was created, but it's right from here. Right. Now the bit where he like Sandman's looking sad because obviously that was his love and the land's gone. Barbie asking him if he's okay. And then Sandman saying endings are a mixed blessing. Princess Barbara, him saying, but yes, I am okay. And thank you for asking another probably new Morpheus thing. You know what I mean? Um, so he's like, uh, boy, you people have caused a lot of trouble in doing what you did. Um, and he ends up like talking to Thessaly and he kind of figures out who she is. She's one of the old witches from Greece. Um, and- oh, and you know what? I'm sorry. I don't mean to interject. So we get this bit between Morpheus um, and Eleonora, right? Mm-hmm. I had to do some research and I'm like, did I miss something? Did me messing up the order in which we're reading things make me miss 
her story. Right. Todd. Yes. We don't get her story until issue three of Sandman Overture. Yep. <laughs> I knew I, I try not to say stuff. You know what I mean? I just wanted to throw it out there. It. What kind of tapestry is Neil Gaiman weaving, Joe? <sighs> but anyway, um, I'm kind of, you know, he ends up saying, um, you know, he's talking to them and she's kind of, uh, you know, going back and forth with Morpheus saying the cuckoo is Mayan kind of a deal. Um, and he's like, listen, just so you know, you guys are kind of in trouble because I've destroyed everything and your path here was the moon. Well, the moon here is gone. So you have no way home. So do not, you know, talk doc down to me. And he's like, what's he saying? He's like, we're in trouble. Kind of. That's what he's saying. Um, they basically, uh, we cut back to New York and George is talking to Wanda and George is kind of like giving him his bit about how like things have gotten pretty bad. Um, whatever's going on in the dreaming, we kind of lost some kind of a deal. Um, but not as bad as right here, the bad stuff. And they're like, bad stuff. What do you mean? This building is pretty old. And then the wind that, and the rain and everything basically hits the building and it comes crashing down, which like shocked me when I first read it, Joe. Like, you know, in the, the original time. Um, and like, how the how the Duke boy is going to get out of this one, Joe? Well, listen, um, you know, Morpheus does tell uh, Hazel and Foxglove and Thessaly that they're in trouble, real trouble. Um, and obviously real trouble is happening in the real world, uh, not only to the I hate dogs lady, not only to Wanda, but also to Barbie's corporeal form. And you say how the Duke boy is going to get out of this one. Um, this is uh, it's quite the cliffhanger. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, boy, I forget how good this stuff is. Yep. It is very, very good. Uh, so next week, uh, you know, we'll be reading uh, issues uh, 37, 38, which is the end of uh, A Game of You. And the first of another solo um, story, single issue story arc. And then we're going to go back to read Sandman's special two weeks from now. Yes, we are. Yeah. And then all is right in the Sandman world. And then everything is lined up the way it is until I find out another place where I messed up, which hopefully I don't. Right. And that won't derail you at all. So, Not after the week I had. Anyway. So... I think that was a good run. I don't think we have any art attacks and no, no, no about, art attacks. Right? Um, of course, I mentioned before, um, you know, the store, of course, we have our T public store. The sale is next week for 35% off. And I want to give a special shout out to Drew Sparkman, longtime listener of the show, uh, who pointed out to me that our actual store where you could buy the shirts and pins and buttons uh, or stickers that I have here is bro was broken. Oh, okay. Apparently the eBay buttons, whatever the Java applet was, uh, was no longer compatible. And I'm saying I'm I'm speaking technical jargon to Todd because he's our tech guy. Right. Oh, when you said Java applets, I was like, oh, that's not going to go with the eBay thing. It doesn't. Right. Uh, PayPal. But the Java applets <laughs> for the PayPal buy buttons mm -hmm. were no longer compatible with the plugins for power, whatever um, that goes along with WordPress, I went ahead and added the new plugins, 
but like with the shirts and stuff, just as an example, the new plugin didn't allow you to like pick a size, right? Mm -hmm. It was just either like, it's like you buy it or you don't buy it. So then like, I'm like, okay, do I do a separate button for like the smalls, the mediums, the large, the extra large or whatever? And I'm like, nope, I'm just going to say, here's they are. Email me if you want them. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, prices are priced to move, of course, like they weren't before. But now the fact, again, thank you to Drew for letting me know. Uh, he'll be getting his care package in the mail hopefully any day now mm -hmm. um, for help and point that stuff out to me. But, yeah, like I said, you know, I like the shirts that we have, the black with the white and the red. You know me, I'm that sort of guy. Right. Um, um, those are our rookie T-shirts, Joe. There that's was no right. shirts and, before that. Limited run rookie T-shirts. And that's the thing. We And I'll say this. We're out of mediums, okay? We got no more mediums left. And we ain't got too many smalls or extra larges left neither. So if you fit in those sizes, act now or forever hold your peace. Okay. I have to look what I have here at the house. Okay. Yeah, because I'll add those because I, I just did my numbers of what I have here, you know? I will go upstairs and look after we're done recording, but I have something to say about a medium when we're off mic anyway. So, all right, I'll write that down here as well. Yep. Um, so you could also support us by making uh, any and all of your purchases, uh, through our eBay affiliate link. Um, we receive a small commission for purchases that you make. Uh, you could use the affiliate link anytime to buy anything on eBay and support us at the same time. That's not the exact verbiage, but we get a little bit of a cut. Yeah. Uh, and if you're eBay purchases, it's not the same as it used to be, but it is what it is. Um, but, of course, the most important way that you could support us is by signing up for our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You're going to get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. One is this year, the movie show, Comic Book Oddities. We are looking at some of the lesser-known, lesser-loved pre-Iron Man uh, comic book movies. We just did uh, Swamp Thing 2, a.k.a. Return of Swamp Thing. Uh, next month, or this month rather, we're doing the Halle Berry, Sharon Stone Catwoman movie. Mm -hmm. uh, we also do Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, it's a walk down memory lane where a lot of people were reading comic books and a lot of people's memories of comic books. Um, we haven't, the bubble hasn't burst just yet. Right. I think we're a few years away from the bubble bursting. I'm seeing some cracks, but it's not going to burst just yet. Maybe the yep, trading yep. cards are bursting, but not everything Definitely else. the trading cards. I don't know about parody comics, but... Oh. <laughs> um, so, of course, you know, dollar a month, $5 a month uh, will get you those shows two weeks before everyone else. It'll also get you Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to the shows in the correct listening order. And all of those options give you those full scans of those previews catalogs that we talk about. Even if you don't get a chance to listen to the podcast and, you know, you have a back catalog, whatever it is, um, look at a month. Look at when you started reading comic books. Look at one of those covers and just flip through them 30 years ago. All the catalogs are up there for the last three years that we've been doing the previews uh, show. And, uh, you know, just me scanning or like Todd or I'm sorry, whoever scans them. I don't know who it is. They do a great job except those last 30 pages or so. Though I think we're around now on this on this. Whoever is just scanning the original. It's very soon he's going to come around to doing the back half, too. So, oh, OK. Um, but even just uploading them to the Patreon site as I'm putting the pages up, you know, I'm just like, oh, I remember this and I remember that book and I remember it, this. And it just you know brings what? back so many good memories of that time of getting into comic books, you know? 
I will say the fun I have too is some of the house ads for previews, especially when you're hitting like the DC and the Marvel, because those hit home hard. Um, they'd be like, oh my God, I remember when this came out in 90, whatever. And, um, and then the stuff that like was so off the radar, I was like, I don't even remember that. It's like a little time capsule, you know? Exactly. So, but that's it. No TV show, no movie. We got Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming out this weekend. I have remained spoiler free, uh, no matter how much my kid tries to spoil it on me. Right, right. Uh, he watches a bunch of bums on TikTok and YouTube shorts that like have all their fan theories and speculation and reading things into what colors are used on the logo for the movie. And I'm just like, I don't, I go, I'll, I'll take your phone away from you. You won't be able to watch those things if you try I, to do this to me. I kind of heard the, 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 the rumor on the logo. Yeah. And I know it, but I don't know what's in the, I, I ignore the logo if that makes any sense. Like I know yes. the rumor, but if I don't look at the logo, I can't have it spoiled if it's true. It's mm-hmm. a weird way of thinking about things, but. Exactly. So. So it's going to be a jammed up show. If there's no news uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing at least four comic books and <laughs> Sandman and uh, Gardens of the Galaxy 3. Yep. And if there's nothing else, then for Todd, this is Joe thanking you all for listening hanging in with us. This was episode 656 of Longbox Heroes, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.